Welcome to the Thaleo Podcast. This is Troy. And Byers. And we are here with another edition of Late Nights at Blockbuster. We're here to discuss the 30th anniversary of Jurassic Park. Uh, I'll always remember this came out in sixth grade uh, for some reason. Uh, it's it's the, uh, the, the memory like uh, toggle in my brain <laughs> is that I actually read a book that uh, I wasn't assigned in class because I saw this movie and was like, I want to read that book. I got it in the library and uh, slogged my way through it because it's obviously not as uh, as cool and fast paced as a, a two hour movie is. So, but I was really proud of sixth grade Troy for actually reading some some stuff. So well done. Well done. <laughs> um, it's directed by Steven Spielberg. He of uh, Indiana Jones, Jaws, E.T., and Saving Private Ryan fame. Just, that list just was not name. long enough. I'm just yeah. <laughs> I, I was just like, oh, I'll just stick with the with the hits here. Uh, screenplay is by Michael Crichton. Um, as I mentioned, the book he's obviously the author of the book, but he did do some screenplays um, off of his books, most notably Rising Sun. Uh, I think that everybody is. Um, far removed that uh they always forget that uh, he did er uh and so oh uh, yeah yeah like when it first came out it was like but, but michael Crichton, the the congo sphere uh uh jurassic park guy is doing a medical show this one kind of threw me for a loop though he wrote twister huh i didn't realize that so no. just kind of something interesting in the imdb we've mentioned this guy david kep um, when we did Spider-Man, he did Spider-Man, Mission Impossible. So those are two, uh, two hits. And then uh, a really bad one, Indiana Jones and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And uh, I'm sorry, you just said something I didn't understand. <laughs> Does not compute. Does not compute. And, and the upcoming Dial of Destiny. Aww. So we're going to pretend that uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull uh, actually exists for a moment. How on earth do you watch that movie and then say, we need to bring this guy back for the next movie? <laughs> I don't understand how that works. Well, they booted Sh Shia LaBeouf, so they're like, that was the problem. See, they had a scapegoat. Right. It's like when the whole team's <laughs> terrible, but you just fire the coach or the, yes. you, know, you get rid of there the one go. guy, even though everybody yep. sucks. And oh, yep. well, that, that's why. That's why. Yeah, We fired Nathaniel Hackett. It's not Russ Wilson's fault. Okay. <laughs> So uh, we've got the score uh, by John Williams. We always like to mention those, and uh, it's an iconic score. So we're going to talk about that as we get into um, our song or score moments. There's there's no songs in this. There's no soundtrack. There's a score for this, and it's it's pretty awesome. So we'll, I'll I'll leave that for the the end. But uh, always like to mention that up front whenever we've got got John Williams uh, on here, and of course he he pairs so well with uh, Steven Spielberg. So. Uh, we've got a, a quick list of, uh, of, uh, of stars, uh, Sam Neill as Dr. Grant, uh, Laura Dern as Ellie Sattler, Jeff Goldblum as Ma Malcolm, Ian Malcolm, Richard Attenborough as Hammond, um, and then a bunch of just kind of other people. I'm going to throw Samuel L. Jackson and Wayne Knight as Arnold and Nedry, uh, a little lifeline here, but, um, those are the the main characters that we have. We have a few others, but they're just um, 
you, either you don't you don't care about the actor or you're you're we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna talk about them sparingly throughout so um so we'll we'll, we'll jump uh into it as we always do buyers uh, what do you love about this movie i mean this is if there's like a dictionary entry for summer blockbuster this is one of the examples right like this is right. what those things are made of um and yeah we're like 12 so when this movie comes out, like you said, you know, we're, we're mm-hmm. at this perfect yes. land where dino- we're still young enough that dinosaurs are kind of cool just because yeah. they're dinosaurs and we mm-hmm. can be okay with that. But this is a like grown up, scary enough movie yes, that it's okay to like it, but we're also big enough to handle it. Right. Like, I'm not freaking out having nightmares after I watch that. Like it's <laughs> right. It's just right at that perfect moment for us. Um, mm-hmm. And it just, it does such a good job of getting you both the wonder that would be seeing a dinosaur and also the terror that would be, you know, having them try to eat you. Um, and you get to throw in some Jeff Goldblum from, you know, sarcastic comedic moments in the midst of all of it to keep it a little more lighthearted. Yeah. Um, and man, it's so cool to look back on. And in my mind, people like Sam Neill and Laura Dern are much bigger stars than their IMBD says they are. It's, I, I was, Not to spoil stuff from no, some future no, but, uh, categories in the yeah. episode, but like, really it's like this cast was not amazing going in mm-hmm. like there wasn't like in fact when you go look at the poster there's no names on it right it's just like hey i'm steven spielberg actually mm-hmm. steven spielberg's name is on it that's yes. it it's like right. a movie about dinosaurs by steven spielberg that's the whole pitch for this movie <laughs> and we all went to see it we're like cool right. steven spielberg's gonna give me dinosaurs and he delivered and it was yeah. awesome so so were you a big dinosaur kid growing up? I had I had my phases. It was kind of it wasn't constant, but there mm-hmm. was yeah, there was some there was a, a little corner of the room had some dinosaur stuff that came out every once in a while. I was like, yeah. Of course, as I tell my kids, we had like five dinosaurs when I was a kid. Like you have all this stuff <laughs> and it's thanks to Jurassic Park. Right. We have all well, we had like Brontosaurus, T-Rex, Stegosaurus, Triceratops, Pterodactyl. That was like it. Like there were only like five or six dinosaurs that existed for us. Right. Who, what, what were the ones on land before time? That, that right. was it. <laughs> that was it. That's as far as we went. <laughs> now, um, I, I, the, the, uh, the CGI uh, and the, the practical uh, puppets that Stan Winston make are made for this and his team uh, are, are definitely the biggest things. I mean, it, it's just this blend um, and it, it looks a little, well, I'm stepping on stuff a little bit later, so I'm going to stop that. Um, I love the score. I love that it pauses in the middle. This is something that I like really liked this time because you think of this movie and you and you think of just how much of like a, a roller coaster ride it is. You know, it's just like this perfect like microcosm of a, what if we had a theme park for dinosaurs? And it's like we're taking you on a theme park ride, literally in the movie, you know, and, uh, but I love how it pauses in the middle to do some heavy thinking. And I can't help but think that like Crichton's influence, he's just like, Hey man, you're, you're really throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Like I get it that you want to have like a fun, like popcorn movie, but I really wrote a lot of like thinking man stuff on should we, and could we, and, and, and all of this stuff. So it like right in the middle of the movie, it comes to a little bit of a screeching halt. But it, it, it mines some really good territory of, of why they're there 
and what they should and, and should not do, you know. So before jumping back into all of the fun, you know. So I think that the uh, that that's that's a, a cool thing. A lot of movies just forget all of that. They're like, no, that's not what people are here for. And I think that's some of what makes this a plausible movie instead of just all the uh the iterations that come after it you know and and i'm sure that we'll we'll talk a little bit about that as well but you mentioned the cultural influence um on like a big summer blockbuster like this was like spielberg's like second wind of like making uh another uh it's like his second coaching tree of of filmmakers like the 80s like the early 80s was all the jj abrams and all these other guys like kind of looking at um uh et and indiana jones movies and stuff and going yeah i want to make movies like that and then here's another one in the 90s like basically uh making a, a whole nother generation of filmmakers from from this movie um so just just a really cool um a really cool thing uh for that so let's uh let's get into favorite scene what do you what do you gotta start it off with um i all the exposition kind of and like explaining everyone to you at the beginning is fine like yeah but i don't have any of that in my favorite scenes um yeah i jump all the way to them <laughs> arriving at the island um, oh wow okay i go way far so you probably have some stuff before that. I like the Grant Sadler uh, Raptor story, like just kind of that, like it I kind of infuses. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's kind of like infusing that with, and I I do like the Dodgson and and Nedry scene for some reason. That's true, it's not bad. <laughs> like I have I have some of those in quotes too, um, <laughs> and uh, but I but I agree with you. Um, do you mean like? So I put in Malcolm being introduced and then like entering the park. Uh, I kind of in the helicopter those together in some ways because yeah. the okay. score starts and just keeps going. Yeah, so feels kind of seamless, yep. which is important. Mm-hmm. Like that's the first time I wrote down score stuff because like yeah, I sat there thinking like if this score wasn't playing, this would be really boring right now while they're just flying right. through this island. Okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it like you're just waiting. Even even the first time you saw it, you were just like. Oh, something cool. Yeah. We're about to see something cool. Something cool. Um, gonna get in <laughs> but yeah, when Grant stands up and just grabs Ellie's head, which I'm partially yeah. wondering how she didn't notice the like hundred foot tall dinosaur to the left of her, but whatever. Yeah. Um, and just the the wonder, and mm-hmm. you know, Hammond chimes in with the super cheesy, you know, welcome to Jurassic Park moment and all that kind of stuff. But it's still right. It especially. I remember seeing it in the theater, like, you know, the big screen Mm -hmm. in this moment. You're like, wow, that looks really cool. And so that's, that's what we're all here for. Yeah. Um, I had that one as well. Um, the, the next one I have after that is the, I kind of mentioned, or I wrote down, how'd you do this? I'll show you, uh, is, is kind of that transition into him, like doing the the giant exposition uh via taking them on the ride um in the and taking them through the uh the um the laboratory and seeing the dinosaurs being born and all of that stuff that was really cool so yeah um i had that one and then i i had to put meeting the grandkids because the way they interact with with dr grant is hilarious Mm -hmm. like tim following him around 
basically this little kid telling you why your book is wrong um is just really funny and him trying to get away from him <laughs> like where were you gonna ride wherever you do <laughs> and then he finally ditches tim by just closing the door on him right um, and then the girl's just standing there because ellie's just six the girl on him she yeah. said i should go with you because it'd be good for you and she's just cracking up <laughs> in the car just laughing at what she did to him so yeah I, I mentioned this uh, at the beginning, but I, I, so in between there, I, I did have it split up where um, Ian and Dr. Grant and uh, Sadler are all kind of telling him and that like, eh, I feel icky about this. And, uh, and we've got some, some quotes on that, I'm sure. But um, I tried to narrow it down to this the last little bit. Um, but I, I do like that, uh, that scene. And as I mentioned, I, I like it more as I get older, cause those are the things that kind of help these thing, these movies, uh, remain rewatchable, you know? So after that, I go to the sick triceratops, um, largely because it inspires my favorite thing about watching my kids play Lego Jurassic park, because Dr. Sadler's like, if you've never played a Lego game, this won't make as much sense. But if you have, <laughs> every character has like something special that only they can do that you have to do to finish and complete missions. And Dr. Sadler's Lego character, the thing she does in the game is jump into piles of poop. That like, is fantastic. Head first, full body. She like disappears <laughs> and like throws stuff out. Like she goes and finds stuff in the poop for you to complete your mission. Oh my goodness. Um, and so, yeah, the but the whole sick Triceratops, like, Grant just getting out of the car. <laughs> like she's just funny anyway. Like they broke yeah. the ride and got off that. Now he gets out of the car. Why did you bring these people to your park? Right. But him like listening to the triceratops breathe and stuff. Like you just they look like little kids around this thing. Right. And it was just it was cool. Oh, and it starts ramping up in the background. You like you hear about the storm coming in and and it's like that's where it really starts to the tension starts and does not let up until the end of the movie, except yeah. for maybe when uh, Hammond's eating ice cream because it's melting. Like that's the only time it gives you like a tiny little break. Yeah. Uh, I, I have uh, one right after that is that when the T-Rex shows up, just yeah. awesome. If you've seen this movie and I hope you have, if you're listening to us talk about it, you know exactly what we're talking about. Just a an absolute masterclass in how to build tension and how to like just create scary situations, like you said, but not enough to where people are so overwhelmed with it that they don't want to watch it. You know, yeah. so yeah, yeah, the water tremors, all of it. Mm-hmm. And he just keeps it going. Like, even after you've already seen it, like the whole foot in the mud moment when yeah. Grant's just sitting there, like it just, con- he just continues to do it. Like, how did you just build more tension when the things are right. chasing us? Like, <laughs> it did. After that, I actually, I like the scene where Nedry gets eaten. That scene. Yes. I had is, that one is, as well. Yep. And trying to make things chase the stick and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I need to ask your your eldest son though if he hates that part because he gets told that he has 15 minutes or 18 it's minutes all over the place like isn't it yeah five minutes or something oh yeah way longer and he's like, still out there driving samuel l's coming over the top and he's like hey you, you missed the boat i think at one point in time he's like nedry's in the room with him and he's going over the speaker and he's like the bus for uh or the the boat for the mainland leaves in like 15 minutes and he already told us that he clocked it at 18 and then you see him later like and he hasn't talking like gone to, to the guy the in the boat no yeah. nothing yeah yeah it's ridiculous <laughs> nobody was holding the clock on that uh, yeah. one little slip up there but yeah um but those things are so creepy um mm-hmm. like i'd rather get chased by the t-rex than those things so yeah i think that one probably creeped me out more than the t-rex yes that's possible yeah uh, we have the, I have the T-Rex fallout, like basically like them, like falling over the, the cliff and, and making sure that they miss the, uh, the, uh, it's not a Jeep, um, Ford Explorer, like Ford Explorer. Yeah. So, um, as they, as they go, um, and, and then the, the ensuing trying to get, uh, Tim out of the, uh, out of the tree. So which did we really need that <laughs> but you're not but put I this poor like, kid through enough yet right so yeah um i also have uh the t-rex chasing after uh sadler and ian right and, uh, i forgot how long is. it goes and you kind of yeah. have to like break a lot of that stuff up yeah because like they get away and then it jumps to nedry and Mm-hmm. Then it comes back to them out there looking for the kids and, and Dr. Grant yeah. stuff. But that one's got just a classic Jeff Goldblum line that he's used in other movies now that'll come up later. But right. <laughs> the, uh, the whole mirror, objects and mirror appear closer than yeah. they seem. Like mm-hmm. all that stuff. It's good. Uh, right after that one, I had, this is where I had to make some edits on. Like I had a bunch of, of scenes and I was like, you know what? We probably need to uh, <laughs> probably need to cut some of these out. Um, so that's not to say that don't confuse that with when we talk about it later with like what we would edit out of the movie. It's yeah. just they're very samey. Uh, they keep the the uh, the tension moving, um, but I kind of I skip to shutting down the system and like having to reboot it. Yep. so that they could kind of get everything back online again okay same jump yep yeah i love the i love the moment where she's turning the fence back on and you're jumping mm. back and forth between her hitting buttons and grant yeah. and the kids climbing the fence it's amazing it's good it's good stuff i love his joke on them right before they go up the fence too where he pretends to get electrocuted with the yes <laughs> Uh, my favorite part about that is like he turns and says something to them and then he's like sam neil um australian um <laughs> he like breaks character for a second and i can't i didn't write down what it was but then he like starts like going up the the uh the fence yeah um i go from that one all the way to the raptors in the cafeteria like in the kitchen yep. coming Same. after the kids mm-hmm. um I love how that scene starts with we because we had the T-Rex earlier, like with the trembling water thing. Mm-hmm. And now we have Lex sitting there with her jello trembling right. as she sees the shadow. Mm-hmm. It's just a slight twist on the same kind of concept, except it's not 
actually like shaking. She's just, you know, it's just the fear this time. Right. Um, but the, all the stuff with him hiding in the kitchen, the, the creepy raptor claws on the floor and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it was, I love that, that kitchen cafeteria scene with the raptors. Yeah. Especially when they hide in the um, the end, and they oh, they pull the shoot and test to pull. Oh my gosh, man! Just just great, great filmmaking, great suspense. Like just oh man. Uh, and then the final showdown in the visitor center with the uh, with the T Rex and the Raptors and the T Rex saving the day um, and and helping them escape uh, is the last one that I had. I mean there's not much really going on and them getting into the helicopter and kind of riding off into the sunset. So, yeah. So, uh, which one would you, uh, would you say is your favorite then? It's the T-Rex scene. Yeah. Which part though? I like the beginning. Yeah. The, the shaking water and then all of a sudden the goat legs max on top of the car and stuff. Lexi's flashing the light and, uh, he's telling her not to. And yep. And then it leans down and the flashlight's mm-hmm. like perfectly in line with its eye. Yeah. 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 Um, I would have to say that one. I, I think the, the, the close second would be the, the kitchen scene, you know? Yeah. So. Okay. I have more quibbles when we get to the kitchen scene though, than I do with the T-Rex scene. So it wins. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, Drax award. Um, I tried to be really, really good. There's a lot of good one-liners in here, but there's a couple of exchanges that I really like too. So I'm trying to balance it out. I uh, I tried to be good too, but I had to. I have to. Doctor Grant's Raptor speech is just too good. <laughs> Try to imagine yourself in the Crustaceous period. You get your first look at this six-foot turkey as you enter a clearing. He moves like a bird, lightly, bobbing his head. And you keep still because you think maybe his visual acuity is based on movement like T-Rex. He'll lose you if you don't move, but no, not Velociraptor. You stare at him and he just stares right back. And that's when the attack comes. Not from the front, but from the side. From the other two raptors, you didn't even know were there. Because Velociraptor's a pack hunter, you see. He uses coordinated attack patterns and he's out in force today. And he slashes at you with this, a six-inch retractable claw like a razor on the middle toe. He doesn't bother to bite your jugular like a lion, say, no, no. He slashes at you here or here or maybe across the belly, spilling your intestines. <laughs> the point is, you're alive when they start to eat you. So, you know, try and show a little respect. <laughs> I like, love that in the middle of that, Ellie just goes, oh, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> Like it's not the most traumatizing thing that's ever happened to that kid. Right. Uh, well, I love like watching it with the subtitles. Like um, even whenever the kid says something, like people in the back are like groaning, like, oh, this kid. Like, so, so he had it coming to him. <laughs> Uh, I love, uh, was, I spoke of this before, but I love the part where uh, uh, Nedry's meeting Dodgson in the restaurant and he goes, Dodgson, Dodgson. And he's waving at him and he goes, you really shouldn't use my name. And he goes, Dodgson, Dodgson, we've got Dodgson here. See, nobody yeah. cares. Nice hat. What are you trying to look like, a secret agent? <laughs> I 
left right after that where they're she's showing him the the shaving cream and he's all mm, giddy mm-hmm. about shaving and he wipes the shaving cream on a piece of pie piece of pie it's like this guy is horrible this is an, this is a horrible human being right they're just letting us know right away um i don't know why this one got me so good dr grant nelly they're talking about kids and so they're still at the the dig site at, at the beginning and he's like they smell and she looks at him he goes some of them smell babies smell <laughs> <laughs> uh i like uh um Dr. Grant and uh, Hammond, um, uh, they're talking about uh, the dinosaurs after seeing them for the first time. And he goes, how fast are they? And Hammond goes, well, we clocked the T-Rex at 32 miles an hour. And he goes, T-Rex? Mm-hmm. You said you've got a T-Rex? Uh-huh. Say again. We have a T-Rex. Dr. Grant, my dear Dr. Sadler, welcome to Jurassic Park. <laughs> I love his face when he's telling him about the tea like he just can't even stand up he's like, just so crumpled on the yeah. ground like mm-hmm. um ian malcolm jeff goldblum how do you know they're all female you, you go out and lift up the dinosaur <laughs> skirt <laughs> that was my next one too uh this one was lost on me as a kid but uh definitely hit like much better um as an adult um uh, the uh, lawyer Gennaro says, "This is overwhelming, John. Are are these characters?" He's talking about the the people in the lab. He goes, "Are these are these characters uh, autoerotica?" <laughs> so he mixes up this term, and Hammond Hammond just plays it off. He goes, "No, no, no, no. We ha- we have no animatronics here. No, these people are the real miracle workers of Jurassic Park." Autoerotica. <laughs> I don't want to write um, Speaking of the lawyer, he's he's defending, and uh, it's that moment when the other three are kind of going, uh, mm-hmm. "I don't know about this." And Hammond goes, "I don't believe it. You're meant to come down here and defend me against these characters, and the only one I've got on my side is the blood sucking lawyer." And then the lawyer goes, "Thanks, thanks." So um, Malcolm's talking to John in the in the lab. Um, as they're as they're talking with uh, Henry Wu, and he goes, John, the kind of control you're attempting simply is it's not possible. If there's one thing the history of evolution has taught us is that life will not be contained. Life breaks free. It expands to new territories and crashes through barriers painfully, maybe even dangerously. But uh, well, there it is. And <laughs> Hammond goes, there it is. And Henry Wu says, you're implying that a group composed entirely of female animals will breed? And Malcolm says, no, I'm I'm simply saying that life uh, finds a way. That's like the, the classic Ian line that life finds a way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll give you the classic Hammond line. We spared no expense. <laughs> you lose track of how many times he says it. And it like slowly becomes just a joke by the end. Like right a a bad joke like we spared no expense like all these people are dead all this terrible stuff has happened it 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 cost Mm -hmm. a whole lot to build this park now nedry as he sets up the systems malfunction ah 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 you didn't say the magic word ah 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 you didn't say the magic word gosh dang it i hate this hacker crap (laughs) that's uh samuel jackson losing his mind so good one um Ian, Malcolm, 
God creates dinosaurs. God destroys dinosaurs. God creates man. Man destroys God. Man creates dinosaurs. Dinosaurs eat man. And then Ellie goes, woman inherits the earth. (laughs) I had that one as well. Uh... At one point, Malcolm just goes, boy, do I hate being right all the time. (laughs) Um, I love when he sticks his face up in the camera inside the the car and goes, there are actually dinosaurs on your dinosaur tour. And then it jumps to Hammond, like watching. And Mm -hmm. he goes, I really hate that man. (laughs) I've got a, another uh, Malcolm line. Uh, Ellie is uh, trying to help him with, um, uh, is it uh, Muldoon? And she goes, do we chance moving him? And then you hear like a, a dinosaur roar in the distance. And he goes, please chance it. Please chance it. <laughs> uh, Nedry with the uh, the things that eat him. I forgot what they're called. Stick, stupid stick. Throws it. <laughs> Fetch the stick. It doesn't go, and he goes. No wonder you're extinct. <laughs> uh, Hammond bemoaning all of them, talking about the 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 delays. All major theme parks have delays. When they opened Disneyland in 1956, nothing worked. <laughs> and Malcolm goes, "Yeah, but John, if the Pirates of the Caribbean breaks down, the pirates don't eat the tourists." I had that one too. They're getting down when Tim and, and Dr. Grant are getting down the tree and the car comes down and the car hits the ground and they're inside and you just hear Tim's voice go, well, we're back in the car again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Craig goes, at least you're out of the tree. One of my favorites, I use it all the time, is uh, when Arnold says, hold on to your butts. <laughs> I had that one too. <laughs> he says it twice, but... Uh... I really like the one where he says it as they're turning off the system. Yeah. yeah. Um, Ian has two good lines when the T-Rex is chasing him. There's the must go faster that he says mm-hmm. in other movies mm-hmm. as well, which is really good. But mm-hmm. then right after that, once, once they get him to lean back up so they can put it into fourth gear and actually get away from this dinosaur and they're pulling away from the T-Rex kind of over his shoulder goes, think they'll have that on the tour. <laughs> the last one that i had was when uh muldoon is just about to eat it and uh he goes clever girl (laughs) Uh, my last one's when grant calls tim the human piece of toast all right what's your favorite one uh, the Velociraptor speech is really good, but I think I like the Ian, mm-hmm. God creates dinosaurs, God destroys yeah. dinosaurs, that ends with Ellie saying, woman inherits the woman earth. Woman inherits the earth, yeah. I really like that one, too. Um, Malcolm just has so many good lines, I want to... I, I <laughs> He does. I want to have another one of those, but I think that that is. I mean, if if we're going to go with what I use all the time, it's definitely hold on to your butts. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's see here. All right. Recognize my face. Um, I have a couple. Uh, Miguel Sandoval. 
who's uh, the guy digging up the amber at the very beginning, or not mm. close mm-hmm. to the beginning. Um, he's in the movie Blow. Mm. They, mm-hmm. the Johnny Depp um, guilty pleasure movie, maybe. I don't know if Blow is well-respected or not. I actually kind of like that movie. I'm a pastor. I'm not supposed well to respected. like a movie about a uh, drug dealer, but <laughs> it's an interesting movie. Um, and Christopher Walken plays Johnny Depp's dad. So that's just a fun world to live in for a little while right there. Um, but anyway, he's in the movie blow where he plays a like drug kingpin guy. Uh, he shows up in Seinfeld. Uh, he's in clear and present danger. He's even in Howard the duck. Yes. Um, And anytime someone's in Howard the duck, we want to bring that one up. But like, as soon as, as the guy comes up holding the, holding the Amber, he's like the foreman at the Mm -hmm. place. Who's like, Oh, you know, looking at it and talking to the lawyer and stuff. I'm like, I know this guy from, so like I had to go hunting right away. Mm-hmm. Like, I know this face, and it was Seinfeld and Blow, mostly, that I remember. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can picture that. Um, and then B.D. Wong, who plays Dr. Wu, mm-hmm. um, plays uh, Victor Strange in Gotham, the show. Oh. Um, which you're about to find out about sometime soon. Um, he's in both of the Father of the Brides. He's uh, Martin Short's assistant. Um, Franz, Franz's assistant mm, is always running mm-hmm. around behind him. That's um, right. And then I didn't remember this. I didn't know this. I, I was just reading through his IMBD. He's in Karate Kid too. So I had to, <laughs> had to put that down. I should have remembered uh, the, uh, he was uh, the father of the bride assistant. I'm big time whiffed on that. I always think of him in this movie, but that was the other one that he was in. Yep. And of course, he's in like all of the other Jurassic World yeah. movies too. So, um, I had two. Um, Ariana Richards, who plays Lex, um, was in Tremors, the Kevin Bacon movie. <laughs> she's in like, all the Tremors, isn't she? Like, she's in like I all of the so. sequels too. I yeah. Think. So that one uh, definitely. I was like, everybody I know, I know from this movie. Um, so, and then of course the, the really easy one was, uh, Nedry, um, played by Wayne Knight, uh, is Newman and Seinfeld. So I but, put that in before they were stars. Cause I think ooh, Newman's a star, a star. Everybody knows Newman. <laughs> so I, I, I won't, uh, I won't, uh, argue with you there. So I won't argue with it being recognized my face either. It was, it was on the border. <laughs> All right, let's move on to who beefed and does it hold up? So we we talked a little bit about it at the beginning, but uh, was there anything else that uh, you wanted to mention? Um, the phrase interactive CD-ROM, that doesn't Thank hold you. up well. When that is guitar. literally what I put down to. <laughs> I'm like, like, Jeremiah looks at me weird like, what is that thing? I'm like, it's a computer. Just, just go with it. It's a really old computer. He's right. like, okay. Like, be clear like i'm so glad i didn't live then look at that thing face so um yeah the interactive cd-rom definitely not aging well um i don't know the sneezing dinosaur moment is not my favorite either like that's the only time where the dinosaur looks a little Mm -hmm. where it's kind of like it's not ad that looks a little too puppet ish right um like is is frank oz hanging out somewhere doing this one or something (laughs) that's there this is sesame street stuff now i don't i don't know about this part but other than that 
you know, the, the T-Rex is the big one that you would expect. Like I'm almost looking for it. Like, all right, here comes the T-Rex. Right. Like it's been 30 years. Mm-hmm. Like it's been a while since mm-hmm. I watched Jurassic mm-hmm. Park. This isn't going to look as good. Right. And no, it still does. Cause yeah. it was done so practically with an actual puppet that still looks good. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Uh, I felt like the this watch, uh, we watched it probably about three years ago with the boys. And uh, it felt like the CGI held up still pretty well. But it's starting to show a little bit of its age. Um, like when you, like the very first time you see dinosaurs. But the puppets look fantastic, you know. And that's yeah. all for, for that reason. But, I mean like you mentioned, has been 30 years. This was like the first time that they introduced or that they really used this technology for something so incredible. Like um, we'll get into that a little bit later once we get into uh, technical and cinematography nerd stuff. So I'll save it for that part. But um, they still, it still holds up well enough and the story is still fantastic. You know, yeah. it, it just chugs along. Um, and, and, but it's funny that you, you could say that they spent more money than like a small country's uh, gross national product to <laughs> recreate this movie time and time again. Like, what are we up to now? Six. We got one, two, three, and six, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, so they've, they've made five other movies in the, Jurassic World was probably the closest that they came to recreating this, but they forgot about all the stuff that made this one cool. You know, they just focused on the, oh, let's just make it the theme park ride. And it's like, no, you need to get into some interesting, like scientific ethics and some, some, some of that type of stuff. And then they try to do it like hurriedly, like the black market stuff in the second Jurassic World movie and I'm just like, yeah, I see what you're doing and you're you're just pandering now. So stop that. So <laughs> but um I love that also that Nedry is drinking Jolt Cola because that that puts you in like squarely in the nineties, like yes. early nineties before it was outlawed. So yeah. What about least favorite scene? Did you have one? I would lose the very opening scene. Like the Definitely. The worker getting carried away by getting eaten by the velociraptor. You just don't need it. Yeah, like it, Dr. Grant's description is better than that scene. Yeah. It was interesting. Like <clears throat> I remember seeing it in the theater and thinking that it set the tone for the movie like right away. But the more that I watch it, the more I agree with you. I'm just like, we don't really need this. No. In fact, in some ways it takes away because like, then the next time you see dinosaurs, it's like that wonder moment. And like, that should be your first, like, right. we already know, like, like logically, if you drive down in our brain, like even when we're seeing these giant cool things, we know these are dangerous. That like, there's the dangerous right. element here and that that's probably going to come out, but you've already shown it to me with that first scene that, Oh yeah, people get hurt. And these, yeah. you know, these things will eat you. Um, I don't know. Shouldn't need it. So, yeah. Plus, you yeah. get the close-up of Muldoon's mouth yelling, shoot her. Shoot like, her. like just zoomed in on, like, just his <laughs> mouth taking up the entire screen. And I'm like, what is going on here? Yeah. If you were to edit anything, what would you remove? It would just be that scene, mostly. I, I had the the Hammond and Sattler um, scene in the restaurant. And, and it's got this little bit of, like, 
they they don't make Hammond out to be like this like greedy guy. He he has all the wonder. Like he's yeah. kind of he becomes the villain, uh, but not in a typical villain fashion. You know, like the blood they save that for lawyer. all the other movies. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> So, um, so in that moment, it's just kind of like this crisis of conscience and it's just like, no, we, we get it already. We don't need to have this again, you know? So that's the only thing that I could really point to. All right. We, we already started in on some plot holes and quibbles cause we couldn't help ourselves. Yeah. Uh, what else did you have that you hadn't talked about? I mean, as good as the story and the idea is there's always a part of me when they're explaining how they got dinosaur DNA that I'm like, really a mosquito bit a dinosaur went to the tree, got stuck in the Amber and you found it like all these different times for all these different species. Like, right. I know it's nice to give us some sort of quasi plausible scientific explanation mm-hmm. for why we could like, I'm glad they try. They don't right. just go, Oh, well we found some dinosaur DNA and like just skip over it. But Right. There's a little part of me that's always like, really? Um, <laughs> that's a small one, because especially once you compare it to what comes after this and the other five movies where they're just doing right. really ridiculous <laughs> stuff. And then you're like, oh, man, the mosquito thing looks legit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I really want to know why there are bathrooms next to the T-Rex paddock where the guy runs and eventually gets eaten off the toilet. Like, why right. is there even a bathroom right there? Because who? why would we ever stop right here? Like, they're not supposed to get out of the vehicles anyway. And why would you create, oh, all right, everybody, let's take a bathroom break in front of the most dangerous thing on the planet Earth, the T-Rex, right here on the other side of the fence. Right. Because on the one hand, for comedic sake, you're like, oh, they have to go in there and, like, after they've pooped their pants when they see <laughs> the, the T-Rex. But it's still so close to the T-Rex that you're like, that's that's not safe. Like, you have to go down yeah. the down the way a little bit and go, all right, for those of you that have pooped your pants, uh, here's a here's bathroom. <laughs> here's a bathroom. Clean yourselves up. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> we'll get on with the tour. We'll be, yeah. Uh, I, I love the, the – that. Uh, uh, Grant and Tim graduated from the Prometheus school of climbing down uh, a tree um, <laughs> because they just climbed straight down when all they have to do is go to the right or to the left. Thank you, know? you. I had the literal, I was like, why not just go yeah. around to the other side of the tree and get out of the way? Yeah. Yeah. So climb faster. But, no, climb sideways and then you're fine. Yeah. But it makes it cool. I can hear I can hear Spielberg like that's not what makes movies tense. <laughs> <laughs> I do like the line at the end of that when they're stuck right? in the car again. So I can't yeah. I can't complain too much. Yeah. Um okay, Dennis Nedry. We already talked about the time frame. I don't have to get back into that. But wouldn't it be less suspect to run a few things, like mess up the computers a little for a moment? go steal the embryos and then come back and just play it cool with your can of shaving cream and right. then leave instead of trying to do all of this at once and like killing people. Right. Um, Cause really Nedry's like the villain. If you want to kind of get down to it, the villain, like, yeah. Hey, let's just open up all the dangerous things that want to eat me um, just mm-hmm. so I can steal this stuff. But it just, well, and even Arnold like mentions, he's like, um, he turned off the power in the Raptor. Like, even Nedry's not that much of an idiot, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nope, he is. 
anything else for for that one um oh i have a few more um the kids could totally fit through the holes in that electric fence i don't know why they have to climb over I thought that they did a pretty good job. I was really paying attention and like, cause Grant, I think Tim like, could, Grant could not fit through. Grant has yeah. to climb over, but scrawny okay. little Tim could just go straight okay. through that hole. Yeah. I think, I think Lex could probably make it, but Tim definitely could. Yeah. That kid's like 50 pounds soaking wet. Like he's a scrawny little dude. Yeah. If they could fit into the, um, into the, the dumb waiter in the, uh, in the kitchen. Yeah. They can, they can fit into that. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's more tense and I'll enjoy the scene, but like there's a little part of so I was like, yeah, Tim could, Tim could just climb through. You could still give me the tension that you're going to kill Dr. Grant and he's trying to get down. It's not as fun as Tim and you don't get the human piece of toast. So I'm talking out yeah. of both sides of my mouth. Cause I like so many other things, but I had that thought. Yeah. Um, I'm not always the, so the T-Rex ending, I have questions on number one. How does the T-Rex even get there? Because they turned the fence back on. Like I was just talking about that scene. The big giant fences are back on. Mm-hmm. So how does the T-Rex magically make it from the fields where he was chasing endless prey into, you know what? I'm going to go all the way over here and go inside this building where I don't know where anything. I just don't know how the T-Rex ends up there. Yeah. But once he does, how does nobody notice him? Every other time you see the T-Rex in this movie, he shakes boom, the ground. Boom, boom. And yet this yeah. time he sneaks up on everybody. I think because they're the the thought processes they're so enamored or they're so ingrained in the fight and terrified of the raptors. But yeah, yeah. it's a it's a treat. It's a it's a sneaky sneaky thing that Spielberg a bit, does a little bit. Yeah. But my biggest, hugest, gigantic pet peeve, like downright, I have this written in all caps with an exclamation point because I cannot believe this happens in the world. Yeah. The line. And you quoted it because it's a good line. It's the setup for the good line about Disneyland opening. Mm-hmm. Um, Disneyland opened in 1955, not 1956. He says the wrong year for when Disneyland opened. And I don't know if it's on purpose because it's a universal movie. So they're taking the shot. Right. I don't know. But in 1955 is when everything broke down and nothing worked. And women's heels were sinking into the steaming hot pavement of July of 1955. So sorry, as the Disneyland lover, I'm insulted you when you get the year wrong. Uh, I, I forgot that I had one that I didn't write down. Um, the, the geography of the T-Rex paddock doesn't make any sense. Cause whenever they pull up <laughs> next to it, it's all flat. And then all of a sudden, like whenever oh, we're tossing jeeps over the side, we're tossing jeeps over the side. It's now this sheer cliff, you know. It's true. So never it's thought like, about it. Yeah. So very, very weird. Oh, well, let's just use this thing. Like they don't move anywhere uh, along the fence to another spot. If I'm, if I, unless I'm mistaken, I'm always so. trying to figure out how they go back by the T Rex again because they drive by there. And then the storm's coming. So like, oh, we have to get back. But they're going the same direction in front of the T-Rex paddock, aren't Mm -hmm. they? Or are they facing the other way? They are facing the other way. Yeah. So they're going back to the visitor center whenever. Somehow it turns them around on the little track. Mm -hmm. Uh, Breakout performance. So Jeff Goldblum for sure. To me. Because unless you're getting a whole lot of mileage out of the fly. Yeah. Or Earth Girls are easy. Earth Girls are easy. <laughs> um, 
And Silverado would definitely be, even though he's in it and I love that movie, he's like a very minor character. He, it'd be it before they were stars, not a breakout for yeah. sure. I just don't see anything where he's big time. And then he's Jeff Goldblum after this. I mean, like he's this witty, um, snarky. He's, he's everything that we come to love and know of Jeff Goldblum. And he's still this guy 30 years later in everything he does. Um, yeah, it's, it's really weird to me though. Um, so I put him in breakout as well, but because it's a weird breakout, it's yeah, it's a weird breakout. He like, so, so let's kind of put them all together because I feel the same way you already mentioned this. And I think that just kind of like completing the circle of the discussion of Grant and Sadler, like Laura Dern and Sam Neill are kind of the same way, but they don't capture like as much attention long-term as yeah. Goldblum does. Well, and they're still like, they're famous. Oh yeah. Yeah. The guy, the, the guy or the girl from Jurassic park. Right. Whereas he's just Jeff Goldblum now. Right. I mean, and I think independence day was like the big one that like cemented his, him as a star for both of these. But then if you like, look at his IMDB, there's really nothing much after that. It's like, after this, he does, um, he does the player where he plays himself. Nope. That's before. <laughs> or no, that's before. It's before he does nine months, a Hugh Grant, like pregnancy movie that like, he's kind of barely in powder. I don't barely remember him in that. Then he does Independence Day. Uh, And then he does Lost World. But he's like in Holy Man. He's a voice in Prince of Egypt. Like voice in Cats and... Or he's in Cats and Dogs. Do you remember this movie? It was like right around the time that we were in college. And so I didn't watch it until much later whenever my boys were the age that they're like, oh, did you see this movie? It's hilarious. I was like, I remember when that came out and looked dumb. He was on Friends. Like there's just one episode. One episode. Yeah. There's just not really much here. He really lives off of Jurassic Park and Independence Day until we get to um stinking um thor ragnarok it's it's yeah it's bizarre because it's not that he has all these like great roles and does all these big movies but he's just kind of like this cultural Mm -hmm. icon and so like he's jeff goldblum like right like he has like the disney plus series like the the world according to jeff goldblum like where we just right you just Mm -hmm. know who he is um and it's not even based on like his acting and doing all these great things other than Jurassic park and independence day, like you said. So it's, it's bizarre, yeah. but if anyone's going to have this bizarre stardom, it should be Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. So Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. All right. Glad that we, we discussed why that was the case and <laughs> just kind of an interesting, like when I looked at it, I was like, yeah, Jeff Goldblum, easy breakout. And then I was like, wait, what? from what? Really? And then, like Sam Neill and Laura these Dern, these two are movies less. are just yeah, yeah, and and that was the that was the really difficult one because I was thinking like Laura Dern, and everybody thinks of her in this role. I mean, she shows up, of course, in uh, Last Jedi, 
um, it's like a big blockbuster role. But other than that, she's just, she went right back to doing indie movies, which is what she came from uh, for this. And it was just kind of like, and Sam Neill was kind of the same way. Sam Neill haunts my nightmares because he's mm-hmm. in um, Event Horizon. Um, that I, made I, the I knew you watching. and I were going to talk about this one, right? <laughs> but uh, I try not to think about it because I can't sleep when I do. So, right. Um, he was in, in this uh, interesting movie. Um, it was a Taika Waititi movie called Hunt for the Wilder People, where he kind of plays like this uh, kind of foster father to this like troubled teen. Um, and it was it was pretty interesting, but like just like that's the type of stuff that he went back to doing after this. He was in Peaky Blinders for a little bit. Um, so, yeah. He just kind of hangs around the periphery. So, uh, what about before they were stars? Uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Um, yeah, easy. Like, easy one, one year. I put, I put Wayne one Knight year here before. Yeah, one year I'm before. A big Seinfeld guy, like yeah. I said. But I mean, Samuel is the real one. Yeah. Our iconic, so. uh, iconic moment. The trembling water. Okay. And the T Rex's eye and the flashlight. I think we're my top two. I I like both of those. I do not disagree with them. My two were Alan ripping his sunglasses off his face. It's a good one. Like mouth open and then turning Ellie's head, like you mentioned earlier. And then um, the T-Rex at the end with the banner falling down. Where it says when dinosaurs ruled the earth. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I would say that all four of those, that's how good this movie is. is that yeah. It's got, <laughs> it's one of the rare moments where I'm like, I'm going to pare down my iconic moment list and only right. do two. Cause I could do like six. <laughs> that I, that, right. Yeah. I've definitely seen multiple scenes in this movie in multiple Oscar reels. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Emperor Palpatine, Jim Carrey, unlimited power over actor award. I have two nominees. I have two as well. I'm interested to see if they're the same. Um, Laura Dern gets one. Ooh. Just for the moment where she runs on her bad ankle. Yeah. Towards Dr. Grant. Because, like, yep. she's been limping around. <laughs> and then just, like, jumps on him. <laughs> like, you can barely run up the hill and have to, like, tell yourself, run. So that one got a little. And then uh, Lex, the granddaughter, wins for me mm-hmm. for the scream as she runs towards the freezer door. Like, from all the way across the kitchen when the mm, Raptors in the freezer mm-hmm. and Tim's trying to hold it in. Yeah. When she's running, her arms are out the whole time. She runs like 50 yards with yeah. her hands in front of her to help close the door while she screams. She's got a few good screams, but that You're one's the winner. So much. But... <laughs> yeah. You, you killed that. Cause I was like, Goldblum imps it up a little bit in a couple of little places. Uh, but a Gennaro as well, but Ooh, yeah. I, I don't think, I don't think it's overacting as much as it is just not good acting. <laughs> maybe, maybe even close you didn't to say bad, bad acting. acting. You said not good. Acting. I know. <laughs> not good. Have you tried being better <laughs> at acting? <laughs> uh, technical cinematography nerd stuff. Oh my gosh. There's just too much to count on this, but if you really like watching like behind the scenes stuff, there's a documentary that I can't recommend highly enough called Jurassic Punk. It's not Park. You're like, that's the movie that we're talking about. Punk, P-U-N-K. And it details this guy, Steve Spaz Williams. 
Uh, it's got a little bit of like his own life and stuff like that, but it's mostly his effect on the movie industry, specifically in CGI. Like he worked on The Abyss, T2, and then Jurassic Park. And like, it's just an incredible, like that he kind of gets lost in the sauce of like, he didn't want to play like the Hollywood game. And so um, he was the reason why they did the CGI dinosaurs. Like Stan Winston does all the practical effects. He did like T2 and Aliens. Um, and and that's still like, as we mentioned, Stan's kind of the test of time because it's you don't see it as much or it doesn't look as dated. Um, but the work that this guy did on this movie like just laid the foundation for a ton of CGI in the future. And a lot of people would probably say that that's a bad thing, but I think that a lot of the stuff that we get now is really cool. Like you can't have Spider-Man movies. You can't have yeah. a lot of the, of the cool stuff that we see now, even if it becomes a CGI fest after a little while, I don't know. I still like a lot of it as long as it makes sense. Um, but just, just a really uh, neat uh back uh background on on how they came about and he really put his neck out there because uh they didn't want to like step on stan winston and like he had he was like really respected as like um like this guy that was creating um puppets and practical effects and basically he had taken the the reins from um uh harryhausen um he was the dude that was doing all of the uh, uh, the claymation, like uh, Tauntauns in Star Wars and like Jason and the Argonauts and crazy stuff like that. So that was just kind of the thing that I had I had watched that before and I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that um, uh, as we were as I was looking through research on this one. Yeah, because this is I, I read. Did this. you have anything there? This is the first film to ever incorporate CGI and animatronics into a live action movie, like all together, mm. like to put all those elements together into one live action movie, um, which is cool. I, I I did read a fun story about the T-Rex animatronic, which was huge, by the way, like the thing weighed like 10,000 pounds um, mm. over, mm-hmm. but uh, it would freak out when it got wet and like shudder and shake uncontrollably. <laughs> like with nobody in it like just sitting off to the side <laughs> oh my goodness and so like, like it was like it's, coming it's, to life it's terrifying enough when it's yeah it's terrifying enough when you have that like in a in a silent room with like baby toys and stuff yeah like it's like creepy when that type of stuff yeah. happens when I it's a ten thousand pound t-rex <laughs> no thank you but yeah oh there was this gosh. whole process they had to like hand dry it with towels and blow dryers and stuff every after every scene because it oh like gosh. like to create the environment like it's all humid and there's like mm-hmm. raining in those other scenes like literally there's no way to not get it wet mm-hmm. in those scenes and so they had to do that because otherwise the water would get in the system and it'd freak out and just be sitting off to the side spazzing out yeah <laughs> so that's all i had i just love the t-rex spazzing story so that's right uh favorite song or score moment um, I already mentioned arriving at the island, mm-hmm. like the score gets you ready for that big moment where they're going to see the dinosaurs for the first time, just leads you right into it so well. Um, so that one's really good. Um, and then driving through the gates on the tour, yes. yeah, um, plays it up well. And then there's that that soft little bit when they're on the helicopter at the end, yeah, sound kind of reprises mm-hmm. it, but with that different tone to it, right? So 
Nope, those were all the ones that I had too, so. All right, uh, spiritual metaphors and illustrations. Uh, the danger and the outcome of pride is all mm -hmm. over this one. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you mentioned the the lack of humility being displayed before nature here, staggering line from Ian that's so good. Mm -hmm. um, although I totally agree with the uh, the ice cream scene not really being necessary, there is a good line in there um, mm -hmm. where Ellie tells him, you never had control. That's the illusion. Like, which was a point we'd already made, but that, that was a good way to put it. No, absolutely. Um, but I mean, this idea that, you know, we think we can control our own lives, that we can handle things ourselves, that we can be masters of our own domain. And the truth is we can't. Um, we've never been able mm -hmm. to. Uh, that's the root of sin, actually, is us trying to think we can be in charge and we can't. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Adam and Eve decide that. Oh, yeah, we should decide what's right and wrong. We should determine who we are um, instead of relying on God to tell us those things. Um because that's, that's what he's supposed to do, that he tells us who we are and he gives us our identity and our purpose. And so when, when we remove that and we think it's all us, um, our pride gets in the way and uh, usually runs us into trouble um, sooner rather than later. Um, and there's times, uh, you know, where we see God have to remind us um, that he's the one with the actual power. Um, he's the one that can actually do these things. You, know, you read stories about, you know, the Tower of Babel. Um, it's kind of a weird story yeah, in the book of Genesis. That's exactly the one that I was going to mention too. Um, mm -hmm. You know, these guys think they're just, oh, we're just going to build this thing over here and we're going to do all this stuff. And God's like, no, you're not. I'm going to give you different languages. You're going to scatter a little bit. Um, I love the end of the book of Job when God finally answers Job with all these questions. goes, oh, really? Those are your questions? I have questions for you. Um, where were you when I formed the earth, <laughs> laid the foundations, all this stuff? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I love one of my favorite moments in the bible is when elijah faces off against the prophets of baal um and here's elijah this one dude on his side and here's like hundreds of prophets of baal on the other side and elijah's like all right you guys want to see whose god is real let's see who's got the real power you guys go first go ahead and he gives them half the day and then starts taunting them starts talking trash to them <laughs> and they're doing all kinds of crazy stuff and elijah's just sitting back <laughs> going you can keep going because nothing you have is actually going to work because none of it's real, uh, but mine is. And that's, that's us. We think we have so much going for us and know so much and can do so much. And we can't, we're not really the ones with the power, but you know, we, we get way too big for our bridges and start telling God, Oh yeah. And we, we're really not capable and we need to remember that. <laughs> not get all prideful. Yeah. Um, no, I couldn't agree more. Uh, the only thing that I would throw in there is uh, Romans 7, 15 through 20. Uh, the doo-doo verses. Can I say the doo-doo verses? Absolutely. Okay. Um, so just kind of the, I do not understand what I do for what I want to do. I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. So I'll stop right there, and because it's exactly what you were you were pointing out. You know, it's just us. Um, I mean, Hammond kind of he's he's like this lukewarm guy, right? He's uh, he's he's not actually evil, but he knows that he's he's misguided by his curiosity. But it also manifests itself as pride. Like, and it's like that uh that scene where they're all sitting around the table 
and like the the lawyer stroking his ego and talking to his pride and talking about how much money they can uh they can create with this park and then like the other parts are like his conscience he's there to they're there to just agree with him but actually what they're doing is disagreeing and trying to point out rebuke him and exhort him and tell him like hey did you ever stop to consider that like you shouldn't do this like those types of things so um just a, a really good uh um I, i'm reading through proverbs right now um lots of lots of verses about like a righteous man is the one that that receives rebuking that, that seeks it out and doesn't just seek people to stroke his own ego into yeah. that's the foolish man that just doesn't want to be told that so just kind of some things that kind of popped through as i was thinking through that so Stuff. All right, random thoughts. Did you have any? I was amazed when I went to IMBD to look at the cast and it only lists 31 people. Right? Really small cast. Yeah. yeah. Like you think, oh, giant summer blockbuster movie, like this huge thing. Nope, 31 people on this cast. Yeah, other than and, and other than a lot of the te technological stuff, like I didn't really see a whole lot of just kind of useless facts and trivia and kind of craziness. Though one thing that I did notice, um, I I kind of laughed as I was going through um, the Mr. DNA um, telling us how they did all of this stuff, and I was just like, I wonder what went through his mind. Like, was he just like, you know what, we've got a ton of exposition here. Let's turn this into like an '80s after-school special. And, and and see what we did and so the writer talks about that in the oral in an oral history he says yeah the problem with turning the book into a movie is that there's just tons of scientific exposition and how do you how do you do that um and so so steven were wrestling with that very issue and he goes what are we supposed to do have a little animated character called mr dna and then they go yeah that's what we're, exactly what we're gonna do <laughs> And so uh, Spielberg mentions it like um, like when he was like one of the AV kids, they would they would do these like Frank Capra produced and directed documentaries on the mind, the heart and the sun. And I just remember all this animation and said, why not just do that so that we can just kind of throw all this exposition out to the audience, admit that that's what we're doing, but just make it a little bit more fun. So, yeah, Mr. DNA, Mr. DNA. Oh, Mr. DNA. Oh, Mr. Dunna. We so. have a uh, figment from uh, yeah. Epcot and Mr. DNA get in a fight. Like, can we just make <laughs> that happen? Like, Celebrity Deathmatch needed to do that back in the day. There you go. <laughs> All right. Anything else before we get down to the last one? I got nothing. All right. Whose movie is it? Velociraptors. Ooh. Who ever heard of a Velociraptor before Jurassic Park? That was like a deep dive, you're a dinosaur nerd move, I think. Mm -hmm. Like like I said, we knew like T-Rex, Stegosaurus, Triceratops, Brontosaurus, if it had a long neck, Pterodactyl, if it flew. That's all we knew. Yeah. And it's funny how much they're not in this. It is. Because even yeah. in my mind, it's like, oh, it's all about the Velociraptors. They have like mm -hmm. a minute here where we talk about them. You don't even see them. And then... yeah. They get Muldoon out in the woods. Mm -hmm. They almost get Sadler. Yeah. And then the end. Like, yep. yeah, they're, they're barely in it, really. I almost said the dinosaurs is bird staring because that one. 
gets a lot of play <laughs> after this too. But. I thought you were going to go just generic and say dinosaurs. <laughs> nah, I just had to get specific. Velociraptors. They go from being like unknown to having a professional team named after them. Come on. Right. Uh, I, I say, well, that is a very, a very good answer that I will not argue with you. Over. Um, I, it's just stupid Spielberg for me. I mean, we, we talked about all the people in the movie and they've got some, some good actors, uh, Attenborough's criminally underrated, um, he, without him in this, he, he strikes that great balance. Um, but, uh, Spielberg just, it's just such good filmmaking like this is these are the movies that you go i'm going to watch whatever that person does for the next like however many until they tell me yeah. that they're they're that they don't they they no longer have it and after a little while he kind of gets into this weird little funk right around like the early 2000s he, he and, flirts with it a couple of times where you're like uh-oh and then he comes back right yeah so he just always manages to uh, to come back out with, with something that, that gets you, you know. So that's all we have uh, for Jurassic Park. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, if you want to uh, leave us some, some thoughts on our Facebook page at The Phileo Podcast, or you can uh, leave a comment on our Instagram at Phileo Podcast, all one word, all lowercase, or shoot us an email at phileopodcast at gmail.com. Great job, Iris. Good brownies. Good brownies. <laughs>